May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So try this statement on for size. I am a loving person. What do you think? I think most of us would, would say yes, right? I am a loving person, at least to some extent, wouldn't we? One day a, a man came up to Jesus who was sure that, that he was, and, and he had a question for Jesus. It was one of those bottom line questions. It was a big question. He says, what do I have to do? What does it take to be saved? What's enough? And since it's such a big question, Jesus kind of turned it on him. He wanted him to think about it a little. So he said, okay, you tell me. What does the law say? What does God's law say? And this guy was a teacher of that law, an expert in that law. He had studied that. He had probably heard Jesus talk about it a time or two because he gives a fantastic answer. He says God's law is all about love. That's God's law, love. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you got it. Do that and you're good. But as you hear the story read in a moment, you'll notice that that didn't really satisfy the man because he didn't really ask the question that he was really asking. It, it wasn't, am I loving? It's, am I loving enough? What is enough? I think we, we probably have had that same question from time to time. Is it enough. Because you are a loving person, right? We, we already established that. It's just that the question was a little bit bigger than that. And he came up with the same answer that we would, which is why we'll read that uh, he pushes it a little further. It says he wants to justify himself, and so he asks another question. Who is my neighbor? In other words, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who qualifies for that? To whom am I supposed to give that sacrifice and, and, and that, that, that commitment and that love? Who is it? So Jesus tells a story. It's a story that shows all too often our idea of love is off. Our love's focus is out. So he teaches us what real love is, and really that... Love's focus is out. Not out of focus, like when I don't want to wear my glasses, but, but our fo love's focus is out, away from ourselves. Let's read the text. It's the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. <clears throat> On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Love's focus is out. The man wanted to know who his neighbor was, who fit the bill for the ones that he had to love like himself. And I think we all ask that question, at least we all answer that question in practice, in what we do. So so think about your list. Who is your neighbor? Who in your life are you willing to sacrificially love for? Now let's be honest, not just in theory, but in practice. So who's on the list? Probably your kids, right? Those of you that have kids. I mean, you, you obviously, you're going to love your kids unconditionally. You're going to sacrifice for them even when they mess up. So, so that's an easy one on the list. And maybe the rest of the family, right? That, that gets on the list too, right? That you do things for them even if they don't always deserve it. You're willing to, to, to love them. Well, well, maybe except for that one who, who always does the wrong thing and the one who hurts you. Maybe we'll exclude them from the list, but the rest of the family. And neighbors, right? The people who live around you, the people you like hanging out with, you'll, you'll do things for them. You'll sacrifice for them, but well, maybe not the ones who have the other political party sign in their yard, or, or the ones that are just a little bit off, and, well, most conversations about them include the line, well, bless her heart, but... You see where I'm going with this? We have our list of those who are our neighbors, but, but there are probably plenty of people that we find plenty of reason not to love quite so much. Not the way Jesus describes love here. We've come up with plenty of reasons not to love people, so we get the lawyer's question. Who is my neighbor? I mean, do I really have to love that guy? So Jesus told the story. It's a famous story. You know the story. you got the guy who is beaten up and bloodied and left for dead. He is robbed. He is in absolute need of help because he can't help himself. And you got the two people going by that you would expect would be willing to help, right? I mean, there's the priest and the Levite, and, but they don't. They walk on by. And at first we might be offended at that, but, but think about it. I mean, it was a dangerous situation. This was a rough stretch of road. It was common for, for robberies to take place, and obviously the robbers were out because here's a guy who's all beaten and bloody. What if those robbers are still hiding and they're just using this guy now as bait? I go over and help and boom, I'm the next victim. And then, well, there, there were other reasons too. I mean, the priest, he had those ceremonially clean, those cleanliness laws that, well, if he touches a dead body, well, then he can't perform his priestly duty at the temple until that time of purification is done. So, so he made that choice not to do the loving thing for that because he had better things to do. And, and they were good things. 
It's just that choosing that meant he was choosing not to love that man in need. And the Levite, he had other pressures too, right? He, he was a servant of those priests. And, and, and maybe he had seen the priest walk by and, and he wanted to make sure that he did what would be well received by, by those that mattered to him, right? I mean, that was, that was his excuse. And then you get to the Samaritan. Now, when Jesus tells these stories, he usually puts something in there that just blows your mind to, to make a point. And, and when you think of who the Samaritans were, um, well, that this happens is truly mind-blowing because he had plenty of reasons. First, the whole safety issue. But, but then you add to it that he was a Samaritan and the Jews hated the Samaritans and, 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 and that man would likely not have helped the Samaritan because, I mean, just think, think Israelis and, and Palestinians today. I mean, there was this, this vitriol uh, between the two. And so if, if someone else walks by and here the Samaritan is helping this man who's all beaten and bloodied, what does it look like? What are they going to say? Of course it was the Samaritan that did it. Right? That's just what they do. That's who they are. So, I mean, the Samaritan was, was really putting his life on the line there. Just a chapter earlier, Jesus' own disciples had kind of showed what they felt about the Samaritans. They asked Jesus, you want us to call down fire on this group of people that they only defined by their race? Samaritan. So this guy knew all of this. He knew the Jews hated him. Why should he help? Plus, he had business to attend to. That's where he was heading. He didn't have time for this. But you heard the story. No excuses. He loved. I mean, even the lawyer who had come up to try to test Jesus admitted it. Jesus asked who, who uh, showed the love, and well, the one who had mercy. Notice that the, the man didn't even put the word Samaritan in his mouth. It was just the one who had mercy. I mean, that, that racism was strong. But the Samaritan's focus was not in on how this would affect him, on what they would do to him. His focus was out. He saw someone who had a need, and he loved. Giving his priority, his time, his money, even his safety. So now we ask ourselves, where is our focus when confronted with a chance to show love. Is it in? What's this going to cost me? Can I afford it? What am I going to have to go without? Is it in? How is this going to make me look? Or how is this going to make me feel? Test your focus. Have you ever used any of these excuses for not doing something that would, would be loving? First one, well, they don't deserve it. I mean, that's kind of the point. That's why they need the help, right? And, and why don't they deserve it? Is it because they've made different life choices than me? Is it because they've, they, they, they've been in different situations than me? Is it because, even worse, they, they just are different from me? I mean, that, that, that inward focus is intense. Or how about this one? Well, I can't afford it as we turn up the volume on our uh, satellite radio in our functioning car. Or I, I don't have time as we hustle home to stream our favorite show. Or, well, I do enough. Someone else can do this. 
Jesus teaches that real love has its focus out on our neighbor, which is really anyone who has need, not just the people we like. And, and it's not just the story he tells that shows this. It's the story he lives. The story that Jesus lived for us. Because, because truth be told, we are in this story that he tells as the victim. Right? We've been left for dead by the dangerous enemies on the road of life. Sin, our world's temptation, our own sinful flesh, our, our addictions, our beaten and bloodied by, by greed and its guilt and knocked breathless by lust and its shame, crippled by fear, left for dead in doubt, with no one who would or could help, but then Jesus came. He wasn't deterred by the danger, right? When Jesus came here, it wasn't that he was just risking his life, to help us, to save us, he knew he was giving his life. He would be put to death if he wanted to love us, and he did. He didn't just pour out some oil and wine to, to help cleanse wounds. He poured out his blood to cleanse our wounds and heal our grief. He didn't just give someone enough to, to keep us alive for a few more days. He left us with everything that we need. He gave us his, his word and his church and his sacraments to make sure that we'd be okay until he came back. His focus was on us and what we needed. So that now when we see that, when we focus on that, when we focus out on him... Well, how can love not well up in our hearts? So that our focus will naturally be out on our neighbor. And again, not just the neighbors we like, but on the neighbors with need. So let's keep our focus out. Love's focus is out. First up to him, and then out to others, even the ones that don't deserve it. That's what makes it love. May God fill us with that in Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.